Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Boy Breakdown podcast. And well, where do we start? Uh, back to back defeats to QPR and most recently League One strugglers Burton Albion. Uh, Dan, I want to start off with you. Um, poor performances. Can't remember a good one. Um, is Tony Pulis in danger of losing his job? I genuinely don't know because I know a lot of fans are wanting him out. But the question is, will Steve Gibson pull the trigger and, and get rid of him? I personally don't think he will because at the end of the day, you know, uh, Steve Gibson got rid of Gary Monk for Tony Pulis. Mm-hmm. and I feel like he just has to stick with him although I would personally want him out I've been on the fence for a few uh, weeks but um, that's only because if we do go up I'd want Tony Pulis in charge yeah. I think it's becoming increasingly apparent that we won't go up I don't know whether that's just me being pessimistic but I mean you look at the stats they don't exactly lie in our favour um, so I'm pretty much at the moment 70% Pulis out but whether he is in danger I don't know. Just 70%. Um, <laughs> like Elliot, I'll probably come to you as well after this. Um, I know, is, well, is Pulis in danger of losing his job? And I think Michael Piper, at 73, on Twitter, he said, um, how many games should well, Pulis have to turn it around? Are you Pulis out on how many games do you think he, he has? Um, it might go against um, a lot of the fan group. It seems like a lot of people do um, want him out. Um personally don't, not because I think he's a world beater, but I just think that um, in terms of, you know, the things that we keep reiterating on the podcast about um, you know, the missing players that we have and him, him even saying at the start of the season that the, the squad's not strong enough to go up, so I feel like the position that we're in now is, um, you know it's, it's still um, well, it might be more true than what it was a few weeks back when we, we were first and second Um the squad maybe getting a bit tired, getting a bit you know, you know lethargic, um, and really what we want is for it to be January and get some better players in. Um, so I think it's a wrong time to be, um, you know, getting somebody else in to try and reshape it because you know they're not going to be able to do it in a month. Tony Pulis already started to put some of his foundations in place. It'd be, you know, just redoing it all again. You know, spending more money, um, and then. The available, you know, managers out there, I can't really think of one that would come in and really do much else. You know, people keep saying Jukanovic, but as you know, as we, as a few of us, uh, as me and you have both said on here, and I think Dana said it as well about Jukanovic. You know, what, what's he going to do with these current crop of players? He's an attacking manager. He, we don't have the attacking players, so it'd be potentially be even worse. Mm. Um, so for me, I, I probably wouldn't have him down as out yet. Um, I think um, if Steve was um, kind of putting a limit on games for him to be out, um, you know, certainly if we lost the, the next two um, and the performances were were not up to scratch, then he, he could be in real danger. Um, but I don't think I don't think um, that Steve Gibson will be he'll be thinking that at this time. Well, point in perspective, Pulis has. He signed an 18th month contract, and that was pretty much a year on Boxing Day. So his contract's going to probably run out in the summer anyway. 
Um, we've spoke a lot about Pulis and, and as well as his style good enough and um, we're not scoring enough goals and it, for me on, on the game against Burnett this looked like the team weren't playing for him at all um, that's just realistically in, in my view I didn't think we were good enough the tempo was off there was poor movement we played we were playing hoofball against a team that was probably one of the, conceded one of the most calls in, in League 1 but we managed we can't score um, against them it just baffled me and Less than what Aidan Flynn Smith's probably the better. I know Pulis probably can't uh, help uh, Aidan Flynn missing from about a yard out, but um, let's put some stats together and probably see what, what you think about it. Was, these were given to us by Taylor and Nicola, 86. Um, and some key stats for us. So we played 22 games this season. Um, we've got the ninth, with the fifth lowest scores in the league. Um, obviously, the lowest scores in the top six. West Brom are top with 43 goals. Um, we've got 23 so the 20 above is there um, for forward passes we're ranking 20th that's 4th worst in the league um, also ranking 19th for shots on target um, and shot conversion rate is 2nd well ranking 22nd um, the worst is Bolton Albion uh, with 7.1 um, Bolton Albion Bolton Wanderers sorry honestly <laughs> A long day out. Team. It's, it's making teams now. Um, but Ball and Wanderers, um, 7.1. We've got a 7.9 um, shot conversion rate. But if you look at total attempts, uh, we've created uh, 280, which is this, which is seventh in the league. Um, and it's only 30 behind Leeds United, who are actually top. Um, so technically, we are creating the chance, which purely says, but we're not convert, converting them at the moment. Um, would you put this down to his style of play, or would you put this down to maybe we're being a bit too defensive and a bit too drop back for our own liking? Then I feel like it's um, it's a bit of a mix because I know everyone's always uh, you know Tony Pulis's throat about the style of play, but at the end of the day, the players need to take responsibility as well because you you only have to look at the Aidan Flint's miss against Burton. I mean that was easier to score than miss. Um, Hugel's missed a few one on ones. Brits Brit has as well. Um, I think it's it's as much the players' responsibility as it is Pulis's and um, you know Bessic let us down against Blackburn, Randolph had a stinker against Villa. It's the players' responsibility as well, and I mean those stats are, are absolutely horrendous. Um, but it probably is a mix because you know, like Elliot said, like we've all mentioned, we didn't sign the players that we wanted to in in the summer. So would it have been any different? Probably not. Um, but I don't think it would have been as bad as as those stats because they are pretty horrendous. Do you think we need to restructure the club then, in, just in, in general? Um, I, I know I tweeted out on, on the board breakdown page that we probably need maybe a, a director of football in there, um, a new recruitment system, a new scouting system as well. Um, do you think that, I personally think the, the club just thinks a little bit at the moment, there's there's something not right, it hasn't been right for probably a number of years in the article I wrote as well, about that 10 or 12 years. Um, we see managers from like Southgate, Strachan, Mowbray, Karanka, Monk and Pulis and probably maybe Mowbray was a success and he as he he swept the deck and Karanka was a success. Um, but apart from that, the other managers have been really poor. We just went downhill uh, from McLaren. Yes, it is in your ear, but do you think now Elliot is probably the best time for the club to maybe hit this year on the head? Maybe too early to tell, but maybe a full restructure of the club. Um, yeah, I think maybe um, a little bit early to tell. Um, it would be good in a sense. Obviously, it wouldn't be good not to go. But in a sense, it, you know, if it does get to a point where you think, you know, knock this season on the head, as you say, um, and do that full restructure, you know, it would be it would be really good and healthy for the club because um, there's just a lot of things. There's just a lot of things off, and I was talking to a friend just before uh, I left work this evening about. Um, you know the sort of recruitment system, and uh, he's he's a he's a Norwich fan, um, and he was saying about they've sort of kind of overhauled their recruitment system. You know they had, they did have the Johnny Housens of this world. Yeah, they were signing players, um, at sort of premium. You know English players, players who were experienced in the championship. Um, but you know they've changed all that now. They're getting sort of younger players, players who are maybe lesser known. Um, I know they've got quite a, a strong German contingent. Um maybe sort of Scandinavian contingent as well. Um, so, and at the moment, it seems to be paying dividends for them. Um, didn't last season, but you know, you've seen the same with Wolves as well, where the first season it didn't really click and then the next season it did. Um, 
so I think you know in that sense it's showing that uh, a new system can be done as long as you do it right and the recruitment is is spot on but it's, it's got to be better surely than what we're doing now because even if it doesn't work um, and you're doing bad then you still haven't paid over the odds for it you're not paying seven eight nine or even 15 million pounds a player which could put your club in you know serious financial difficulty so Danny you the same no yeah something does need to change because you only have to look at the players that we've signed I mean um, a little bit kind of no one really talks about this but that Jack Harrison signing was, was bizarre the fact that we mm. brought him in Pulis had said that he wasn't match fit well, if he's not match fit and you bring him in in January, why why bring him in at all? And then uh, I think he said on BFCTs that he was going to bring him back the next season. That didn't happen and he's at Leeds now. Yeah. So there's there's definitely a deep-rooted problem at Borough because you know, there's something fundamentally wrong and, and there does need to be a, a major clear-out. And obviously it won't yield um, you know results straight away. It'll be a long-term thing, but I think it will stand us in, in better stead long-term than what we're currently working with now because it's quite clearly not working um, so we, we put a tweet out earlier today um, and I was I wasn't I was a bit nervous actually when I put it out because I thought I was going to get absolutely demolished on Twitter um, and it was on the lines of Steve Gibson um, we and I think Chester draws as well um, or at draws he's touched on it as well in the questions but um, we said look we love Steve Gibson but he's, does he deserve a little bit of criticism at the moment and that hit for cover as well because I thought I was going to get bombarded for everyone saying how dare you uh, have a go at Steve Gibson but actually Dan I'll start off with you does Steve Gibson probably deserve a little bit of criticism at the moment we haven't heard from him since he said we're going to smash the league um, which it's his famous last words <laughs> and we haven't seen much of him since Um We've hi- we've bought, brought in the wrong players. Essentially, everything falls down to him. Um, he's the key decision maker. Doesn't matter who we bring in, he's going to have a potty final say of it. Um, so, yeah, do you think he actually has a bit of? Well, he does, does he deserve a little bit of criticism at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. You know, nobody's immune to criticism. I mean, he brought in uh, he brought in Steve Agnew, didn't he? When I think you know he, he probably should have looked for. Uh, a manager that was probably better suited to trying to keep us up. I mean, the fact that we, you know, kept Steve Agnew on was was ridiculous. And then, uh, and then after that, you know, uh, the, the whole Gary Monk thing. In hindsight, that wasn't the right decision. I think he's too inexperienced. I don't think that um, he could be. I mean, he just bottled the, the promotion campaign with Leeds. So yeah, uh, yeah I mean, there's that. They said with Gary Monk, he was like, "Oh well, he's bald it with Leeds, but he had nothing. He had no money to spend, and the squad was really poor. So imagine what you would do with uh, a good squad and a good budget." But then it's like Gary Rout's doing yeah. exactly the same thing at Stoke. So yeah, but, so, mean, he, he bought players like Ashley Fletcher, Marvin Johnson, Connor Roberts. I mean, the the, the you know Marvin Johnson. I think he only brought in because he had Ple- uh, Pep Clotet at, um, at Oxford. Um, you had uh, Connor Roberts, Swansea, that connection. Mm. So it was almost as if he was friend, he was helping his, his mates out at his his farm clubs. But another interesting thing about uh, Steve Gibson was the whole banning the Gazette, which I thought was absolutely bizarre. I mean, mm. I saw the articles that um, Dom and Jonathan posted that had got them banned, and they were they were feeble. There was nothing wrong with them. I tweeted worse. Mm. It was after the Swansea game. I think they put on their like live blog a few things. And I've honestly tweeted far worse. Like, since when has Millsborough Football Club been about that? Like, mm. banning their own local newspaper? So, I was actually going to come a bit later on, but obviously, you know, I wrote the article um, a couple of days ago and it was about a disconnect. Um, and the disconnect between the club and, and the fans and it, probably the press as well. And what I was trying to get really is um, and it was an article that people quoted um, to me um, I didn't really think about it when I wrote it it was Middlesbrough trying to sell themselves as a middle class club um, rather than a working class men's woman who they've really brought themselves up with and I think an example was that was trying to sell the shirt for £75 and it still hasn't sold out um, even though they've made 1986 with them um, but in terms of that disconnect as well Els um, and I kind of want to hear your opinion on it um, do you think Middlesbrough are out of touch with their fan base at the moment or uh, do you think it's probably the opposite where the fans are starting to like, not, not turn against them but they're just not with the club as, mu- as much as any anymore Yeah definitely um, there's a lot of um, things that you could say about the club which which shows it and you know, you've alluded to them 
um, already along with you know the, the the shirt, which you know you're trying to portray um, as a you know a middle class club. You know, we're a working class area. Nobody's, or not many people were paying you know seventy five pound for a shirt, which especially, you know, you going at the aesthetics of it, but it's white. People, you know, people are getting it for the kids anyway. That that's gone in about a week. Cause that, that, that that's that's dirty. That 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 shirt's yeah, fucked true. after a week. So, um, but you know, there's just there's just like there's loads of things. So there's obviously you know the social media. They try and be all corporate about it when you know a lot of clubs these days have been a lot more revolutionary about it. Um, you see, it was it Bayer Leverkusen and Roma yeah. and some of them where you know the phone and they're interacting on Twitter, banning the newspaper, the Gazette, which was you know crazy as a lot of other borough content out there is you know put um you know way worse things like dana said and, and put stuff about rumors about the club but just because it was you know probably getting the most views and stuff um and it ended up being that the fee which i think they were tweeting about was ended up being the right fee anyway it just seemed like they were i don't know why they even done it it just seemed like they were doing it out of animosity for no reason um, I just wanted to take the Gazette down because I remember they put a, they went out of the way to put a, an article out on the Borough website that was correcting the Gazette about the fee of British on Belonga and it wasn't actually the Gazette that reported that it was the Sun the Sun had said um, that it was £15 million pounds or something um, I don't know yeah I think it was £15 million, and it was actually the Borough said it was a little bit less mm. and I was thinking well it wasn't even the Gazette that said that it was the Sun so yeah. it, it felt like they're just trying to yeah. you know, go down. That's what I mean. I, I, I don't know why it needed to be so hidden anyway. Like football transfer fees get you know come out all the time, and they're, they're all over Sky Sports News. You can you can see them all on the side, and if it's if it's undisclosed, it's undisclosed. If it gets leaked, then you know so so be it. Um, but you know, there's a lot of things that just seem to be um, just just wrong at the club, and it, it feels like when people are there, they don't. Like you're saying um, in your article the other day about you know people mourning um, and groaning and stuff like that with the club, even stuff like uh, uh, with the you know the free drinks at the match, um, it's only for certain season ticket holders, not for all season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. You know, clubs like Huddersfield are, are giving the fans all sorts, and the, the ticket the ticket prices are cheaper than ours. Yeah. Um, and they're in the Premier League, so I mean I've I've just bought a, a half season ticket and it was. The price of what I think Huddersfield fans pay for a full season ticket price. Um, so I, you know, you know, they're saying it that it's twenty three pounds per ticket, where it's thirty pound. But what's that? You know what I mean? To do it fifteen pound, or to, to you should be getting more of a, a discount for going every game for being a you know more of a loyal fan. Um, but yeah, that, you can you, know, you can go on forever um, about about the issues. Really, I do think there is a disconnect, um, and I think there's a disconnect from top to bottom. Um, and that's not even including the fans um, in general. Uh, I think Gibson deserves uh, credit to get this club where it is um, and deserves credit for pumping money in the club all the time. Um, but you're, like, you're, right, you're right, Dana, with that no one is immune to criticism. And I think he has to kind of take that on the chin or even at least say something um, as this Christmas period's coming over and just to say, like, look, um, Tony's my man we're in transition at the moment if money's tight money's tight you know what I mean I, I think fans would prefer to know that money was tight than thinking oh we're going to spend 30-40 million pound in the transfer window when we when we can't really afford it um, and that just comes down to communication but also um, in that whole disconnect when I've mentioned that fans mourn quite a lot and our fans mourn all the time but more recently now I've never seen Millsworth Football Club fans be so disconnected with a football club in my entire life and bear in mind, I've only been formed since like 1995, but it's just, and with that in, in mind, really, and that with that anger, and the, all, all that anger just down, comes down to frustration. Um, and the frustration is the overpricing season tickets. Um, every time you go to like the bar or something, or get some food, the prices seem to be higher every season. Um, you know, that they're bringing in players that are completely overpriced. Um, they're trying to sell themselves a middle class club and saying, oh, tickets are going higher and all this kind of jazz when they don't really need to. Um, but in terms of like just the attitude as well, like so mon- it's like so monotone. And I mentioned social media, but social media should be a great tool uh, for you to promote your club and promote it in the right way. Um, I think the comparison would be, like, I think Mills were like, no, saying, oh, um, 
Actually, no, I'll probably I'll scrap that bit. I was going to say, as a marketer, I'm like told, you know, people buy, like, people buy, people buy anything if you like, if you market it right. So if I said to you, Elliot, no, like, if, do you want to buy a thousand pound computer and um, it's a year old, right? You probably wouldn't, would you? If I just pushed it as that, but if I said, oh, it's, it's a one year old computer, but it'll help you make ten thousand pounds every single year if you just follow this formula, you'll buy it, wouldn't you? It's just completely positioned differently and the positioning's all wrong. Um, they need to go back to basics, scrap it, or scrap it again. The social team need to probably be trained a little bit more to engage with the fans. Um, Steve Gibson should probably bring in a director of football to help Tony Pulis out. You know what? Fucking sack Bowser. Sorry for the PG's gone, but it's I'd no, probably I'd probably I'd probably sack Bowser as well if I'm honest because appreciate Bowser does probably a lot of work behind behind the scene behind the scenes, but name one decent player that he's helped to bring in like it was actually good. Like, Gary Gill as well. Should, and Gary, should and Gary Gill needs to be, probably be questioned. It's just, yeah. it's so out of touch. And like, I feel like he's got a bunch of yes men around him. And you never get anywhere with a bunch of yes men around you. And I, I think that's what Gibson needs to I, th- I, th- I think as well with um, the communication, I mean, I don't know um, how often um, chairman or, you know, director of football, if clubs have them, how often they kind of communicate with the fans. But I think it's key because. Um, although we didn't go and smash the league that season, Steve Gibson just coming out and saying that then drove such optimism to the club when it happened, and people were so pumped up for the season, people were so happy to go back to the Riverside on the opening day. Um, and I think just like you said, even like especially now, when there's such a you know it's, it's so toxic at the moment for him to come out and say something, or even if he employed someone to do that, it just uh, it kind of eases things around the club, not even just for the fans, but the players because the players are reading stuff online all the time now anyway so yeah I, I definitely think you're right with communication I don't know how often it's done with other clubs um, yeah. but it's definitely a step in the right direction I don't feel like he's the type to come out and, and talk I think he did it in the Premier League because it was such a mess that he had to and I, I don't know I, I just don't feel like he's the type to put himself out there publicly and, and say something mm. so I wouldn't expect anything yeah. from him. That's I, what I mean, I wouldn't expect it, but we, we, it's like, you remember with Steve Agnew, like, no one knew about that for ages, like, so is he, is he caretaker, is he caretaker manager, is he permanent manager, he just kept going, as every game, it's like, oh, well, he's still in charge, and he's still in charge, he's still in charge, and no, we, we never ever got anything from the club to say that he's, you know, he's going to be in charge till the end of the season, like United the other day sacked Mourinho, and it was like, right, we're going to get someone in for this amount, we're going to get someone at the end of the season, you know, all of that, it was going to, that clearly planned it and they told the fans what was going to happen. Um, There's not, a definite disconnect though, and like like I said, we it's been bubbling under the surface for ages. I can only speak for myself, and I, I haven't felt this disillusion with Borough ever. You know, there's just no excitement anymore. The football was tolerable because we were winning and maintaining decent results, and now we're not, and it's just becoming more and more painful to watch us. And obviously, I'll still go because I support the club th- thick and thin like everybody else. But you can't dress it up. It's it's just been. It's become almost like a chore to watch us. It's it. I've just become so disengaged with it. I've never felt like this before. It's it's, it's quite strange. I think with Pulis saw and it, it always falls down to the manager. Unfortunately, um, I think Pulis he is probably doing his best with what he's got. But I think from day one, I think Pulis has said, right, this squad's not good enough. Like, if you think you're gonna we're gonna get promoted, then forget about it. Um, and I'm quite glad he said that at the start of the season rather than saying oh we're going to get promoted and stuff because I probably would probably be out by now yeah. um, I, think it's just cut, I think that's just saved himself um, but even when so going back to like the Steve Gibson thing where he said we're going to smash the league um, as Mark as you're told to like always under promise and over deliver he just over promised everything he had no idea how that season was going to go I feel like if a lot of people like took out of context though because he said didn't he say we uh, we want to smash the league? And a lot of people took it as we will smash the league. Because I know a lot of like opposition fans were using that as a way to kind of poke fun, especially Leeds fans. But I think people misquoted him. Obviously, it, it doesn't matter either way because whether he said we'll all or want, you know, it did you know amp up that that expectation, which obviously wasn't a good good thing to do in the end. I think Pulis should probably have this window to and and see himself out the contract. And if it doesn't work, come May and his contract's up then fine walk away from the deal yeah. or move up to a say a fo- director of football and then bring a young manager in so then the work off Pulis is his, he's, he is wise he is like a good manager but that young manager could probably work with him and there's that connection again with like the, the board too um, rather than Pulis just going directly to Steve all the time um, but in terms of 
January, Pulis has said he's he needs wingers, left backs, right backs. Um, one player in particular we said a few weeks ago, George Friend. Um, finished? Yes? No? Yeah, definitely. Close to it, yeah. It's kind of Close like, to it. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like the dog that you, you love and then you, it starts to lose its legs a little bit and you think, oh, I probably should take it up a bit. Yeah. Well, I still feel in some championship games, he's, I don't know how people don't know he's going to do that cut inside, but he, he's been all right in some of the games. The other, the other night it wasn't working for him. He was getting ran ragged by Jay Kesketh, but, um, you know, definitely we need, and I feel like, he probably wouldn't have been in the team recently if Sam McQueen wasn't injured. Um, you know, he's the only choice we've got yeah. there at the moment. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think we'll obviously we'll get a left back in, um, and you know, he'll, he'll obviously give him a chance to keep keep himself in the team. But it's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, if he comes up against someone half decent on that side, then you know he's going to have a bad game and he'll be out of the team. Oh, I think that's the same for Tav and, and Downing as well. I mentioned it in the group chat that I'm convinced they wouldn't be in the team if we'd we'd have signed the players that we wanted to. Yeah. Downing, I think, would have been on the bench. Tav would have been out on loan. Mm. So, you know, it, it's the same with George as well. And when we when I was going through the team uh, for the Reading game, which we'll go on to later, I was thinking, well, I don't really want George in there, to be honest, but who else do we have? We don't have anyone else. We'll play three at the back. Three at the back and maybe push down to push down on the left on the left side. And yeah. if you want to play a shot on right wing, you can, can you? Um, he has done it in the past, but whether that works, I don't really know. Probably a good time to try it. Um, yeah. but I'm gonna ask a question. I, I didn't write this down, and I'm probably gonna like surprise you. But if you can vision visionize what is that a better word to say? Well, visualize. Visualize. If you can visualize um, Middlesbrough Football Club and say a year's time, you have complete control, or say five years time. Um, how would you want the club to look? Um, would you like them to be in the Premier League, or would you like to would you like a number of youth players to come through, um, or would you just like to have a full stadium every week, or all together? The whole package. The whole package. The whole package. But how yeah, would you it'd be do? great to have some like youth players come through. Like, you know, Chapman obviously is probably going to leave in January, but it would be nice to see players like that, talents like that, like kind of be brought over into the into the first team to have that bridge between the academy. And the first team, obviously, we'd like to see the Riverside full every week. It's it's shit when it's half empty and you've mm. got people mourning and groaning from empty seats and, yeah. and whatnot. But five years time, I'd like to hope we're a Premier League club with decent foundations and, mm. and things have changed because at the moment, I don't think it's progressive. Yeah, uh, I want, before, I, before you're gonna go into it, I was just gonna say in terms of youth players. Um, I think that's what every Borough fan wants. Yeah. They just want if they're seeing like five or six Borough lads in that team, I don't think they'd like be as angry as much. Um, I think that should be the identity of Mills Football Club. The identity of Mills Football Club should be youth comes first, um, then we have like a certain style of football. It's like it's just a straight identity. We have one youth players, we hit we stack we play this style of football and win, lose or draw, we're going to play the football and again, reconnect with the fans and probably lower prices but go on, I know you're going yeah, to rate no, it. No, I completely agree with that last point you've just made there, definitely about you know the style of play and, and the identity of the club and I, I think in about five years time, you know, I'd love it if, you know, I don't want us to, you know, to be world beaters, I just I'd want it to be you know, where we have this where we have this identity and we've got this we've got a style where it's almost like I don't know even if you're not doing so great there still seems to be like a good feel around the club like take Brentford for example they seem to keep getting these managers coming through and these players coming through even when it's when it's not going so well do you know what I mean and it's almost like there's a, a community mm. feel at the club um, and you get people involved and you you know you're doing stuff on match days with the fans and um, and stuff like that so I'd obviously I'd want it to be you know like that we were in the Premier League don't really care if we're you know world beaters or not. I want us to just kind of you know be as as Middlesbrough Football Club. You know we're not a big town, um, and for us to be in the Premier League anyway, we, we are technically you know punching punching above our weight a bit. Um, so if we were in there anyway, and we you know we get some players in like players we've had in the past where they, they come in and they're just absolutely wow. You're on match day, they do things that you just think you know 
you never thought you'd see. Do you know what I mean? Like they're playing unbelievably, fo- unbelievable football. That you know, it's good to watch. Then, you know that that's what this area is all about. Like we like people like going to the match on a weekend or you know whenever whenever the matches are, um, and you know, seeing good football, good blend of youth mixed in, and a good atmosphere. Um, and that's what sort of the Premier League years were like before it before we you know, got into that relegation yeah. season, pretty much. So. The monetising, the commercial side of things has made things really difficult for young players to come yeah, through. Yeah, um, but in terms of like season tickets and fans in general and getting this connection, I, I know I put it in my article as well where um, we should probably look at like the Bundesliga and we should also look at English rugby teams. And the reason why I say English rugby teams is they do this great thing. So if you buy a season ticket, um, I think there's quite a few clubs do it. Um, I know Worcester definitely do it. Um, if you buy a season ticket... You can bring a friend for like three to five games for the season, and they come half price. Like just like just like little incentives like that. Or every fan gets a pint at the game, or like gets a drink something like that. Or like the season ticket holders get exclusive events. Like make the make the season ticket holders feel like valued. Like they're like your core fans. Like you mm-hmm. could just you could probably like sell them anything. They'd probably buy it. You know what I mean? And it's profitable. Yeah, they probably right? yeah. Like I say, the, the season ticket holders are going to the club shop, and they still have to pay the ridiculous prices of like. I mean, have you seen that they have chocolate bars in the shop? Um, and it's just a sta- it's just a, a standard chocolate bar, but it has just a butter thing over the top. It's about six quid, and you think it's it's a chocolate bar. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> what what is going on? You think like, and you just think like even even just the other things. All if you're going in as a season ticket holder, you should be getting exclusive discounts. Mm. Um, like, it's, it's like a, a VIP member, pretty much, mm. isn't it? Like bars, you you get like put like. Season ticket holders can drink like more alcohol say during the game, or um, probably wouldn't say that because we have people like running the pitch and all those. But but I mean like just little things like season ticket holders. If you like your kids season ticket holder, like they can meet the players on certain days, like only rather than like giving out to, to everyone. In terms of, like social media team, they should be engaging more with the fans and like creating like content like to sit like similar to what we do really. Like we put questions out there and we get engaged with fans and I feel like the club should be doing that as well. They'll probably put us up, put me out over like a, a page, but I don't really care if the club's doing that. If you, if you know what I mean, or unless they want to make us like the official podcast page, I don't really care. But <laughs> I, I, I feel think like they're better though. Sorry, I feel like they're better with their social media, but obviously they could be ten times better than they are. I mean, I remember when they didn't even have an account, or they had an account and they weren't even doing match day updates. So I think it's better to give them credit, but I do agree with you, they could definitely be more engaging. And Kind of like you said earlier about um, Roma and teams like that, that I think Bayern Munich do it as well, where they, they do kind of have that bit of humour. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just somebody sat behind a screen, obviously it is, but there's a bit, bit of personality there, yeah. so you can engage with it and mm. be funny have a bit of banter and, and it's it's all fun at the end of the day it's mm. all engaging with supporters I think I think the everything MFC foundation when you were just saying about some of these events and stuff that you're on about but that's like separate to the club and if the club was I know it's you know, still MFC but if the club was doing those things or the club social media was doing those things or even just sharing the every, uh, MFC foundation stuff then it looks like it's more community led because the MFC foundation does a lot of stuff in the wider community um, so, but like, like you said I like what you, your point about uh, Bundesliga and stuff as well because um, in the Bundesliga I think is it um, the fans is it the, the 50 plus 1 rule where basically um, the members you can sign up to be a member of a club or I don't know whether the classes the season ticket holders as well um, you know basically it's never going to be majority owned by um, you know, people coming in. You see the likes of clubs in England getting bought out, and then playing the shit like Portsmouth and Blackpool and Lane Orient and so on. But it's basically to stop things like that happening. But it's also so you have an input in the club. It's almost like um, the way the co-ops run and, and and so on. So yeah. Also, it's like more or less that you you kind of public, you you make the the club public a little bit to yeah. to the fans or every when you buy a season ticket, you, you get you have a share of Middlesbrough Football Club. Yeah, and then that's that's what it is, that, yeah, it works in that way. Oh, that makes sense then. But um. Let's let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Reading. Um, probably in a worse position than we are. Um, yeah. I remember a couple of seasons ago when they were in the playoffs <laughs> when they were playing really good football too, and then ever since then they've just completely fell apart. I think it was Jeff Stan was managing. He was he was doing incredibly well too. Um, played a good style. They looked look really strong. Look on the counter attack, and then the season after just fell apart. Recently, just sacked Paul Clement. 
Um, playing four two three one, losing games, definitely a must win for Mills Football Club. Because if we don't win, Pillars is going to be in big big danger um, of of getting sacked. Um, Dana, how do you see this one going? Um, I wish that I could say something positive, but I don't know, just like tapping into the stats, um, you know, the, the fourth bottom. They've actually scored more goals than us, uh, which is quite <laughs> laughable, actually. Uh, well, our, <laughs> our record against them, uh, especially at the Bajewski, is, is poor. We've only managed one win against them in the last six. Our Both of our forms are, are identical. We've had two wins and two draws in the last four games. Um, you know, they concede a lot at home. I know I'm throwing stats everywhere, but uh, they've conceded at least two goals in the last four games, four home games. Uh, they've failed to win in the last six. Why was that a clean sheet in the last six? I'd, I, for, some, I, well, for some reason, I do know the reason because our form's absolutely appalling at the moment, but I just can't see us winning this game. I, I mean it's just typical Borough isn't it like they don't have a manager um, playing poor the, the confidence is down again absolutely like battered most weeks um, that's just like even with, with, um, with and without the ball they're getting absolutely battered in terms of possession um, but I think when I look at uh, Taylor's like, stats that it, it, it's put, put together um, which is just unbelievable I can't believe someone's, uh, someone's actually put them together but when I look at those stats I just think Jesus Christ like I can't even see where we're going to win Um <laughs> I normally like try and break it down a little bit more and say we need to be a bit more aggressive in this side of things but I think in terms of how Middlesbrough should play the game and how they should um, try and overcome Reading is just you know what play with like no fear a little bit if, if that makes any sense and because every time I watch Middlesbrough now I feel like we're shit scared for ages and as soon as we score our first goal we start passing the ball a bit more balls over the top we look like a completely different team is that too much pressure on them that people's giving them, or is it? I, I don't know. I'm just like a little bit, a bit mystified of how like one goal can completely change your performance. I think the shackles are on a lot. I think they have been for a few seasons, even under Italk Banker. They were a little bit loosened under Gary Monk because I think we were a little bit more free flowing under him. And you know, the the kind of downside to that was that we were shocking defensively. <laughs> Ryan Sean's first just, game. Yeah, we, we just, I mean, Cyrus Christie got caught up so many times. Um, we just can't seem to find that balance. We're either really good defensively. Well, I was going to say we're either really good defensively or really good going forward, but we're not. We're just really good defensively, and that's it. Yeah. Like, we just can't find that balance. And I think it is the, 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 like, the shackles are on, because, like, we mentioned in the podcast before, like, you want, you, I mean, Johnny Howison and uh, Mo Besic, they just they hold out the ball far too much. Oh. It is like they're scared to release it. They don't know. Where, where it should be and this is where Lewis Wing comes in because against Burton he was fantastic some of the balls over the top were, were brilliant mm. I think uh, more Bezic just really like pisses me off at the moment <laughs> and and it, it sounds crazy because I absolutely loved him last season and his inability to not pass a move anymore is just absolutely star- it's, it's mind boggling second it's spell my, syndrome is it um, is that it though or I think I, maybe he thinks well, he's, he's above the division maybe so he feels like he's just on the ball and he's like can just sort of run with it and do whatever but he can't there's still players who are just as, as good as him in this league so he needs to do the basics like you've been saying but I've seen, seen a couple of tweets like this morning saying that Savile and Bezic won out in January um, but yeah we got sent on didn't we yeah yes is. no would you let would you, would you probably let them go back Savile paying, paying £7 million for Savile well, it'll, it'll go through in January, won't it? We haven't paid it yet, though, yeah. have we? I don't think so we can cancel it now. <laughs> How do you know? Um, <laughs> get the lawyers in. Um, but, <laughs> no, I think I think Savile will be a decent player in the, in the future, but it's just it's not working at the moment. Um, if I was Tony Pierce on Saturday, I would definitely be like, right, lads, like this is this is like the be all in all. You you have to win the day. Like there's like not. I wouldn't even give them the pressure of it either. It'd be more of like be calm and just say right just enjoy your football we're going to play 3-5-2 um, use your width I'll even bring a couple of the youth players through as well in, in this game I think this is a perfect opportunity for 21st to say right let's just rotate the squad players who aren't playing well get out um, and, and let's focus on the football I'll probably bring Jed Spencer being the right back to um, he's got a bit of pace about him he's quick he's agile um, bring Harry Chapman back into in the frame 
I appreciate he's probably he's probably will be he will be gone because he's not in the squad for under twenty three, he's not in the squad for, for the first team, so I think he's probably got his move away, probably to Blackburn now. Um, I'll probably put Tav in the squad as well and Lewis Wing. Just freshen things up a little bit more. Um Els, how would you line up against Reading? Um, do you want the, the full lineup? Oh. Go on then. Yeah. Go on, we'll start off for you. Eh? Yeah. Um you okay, so um going back to the, the QPR game, which was also shocking. Um, we we tweeted when or we were talking I think about it when when the lineup came out that we thought it was that four four two diamond what you what you said in the previous podcast. Nah, I love the moon, like, uh, oh, the moon. moon. And then it turned out to be when when we were watching it that British Ambulonga was playing left mid. I don't know whether that kind of just you know, happened like to be like that after the first however long, but it it, it just looked so like it, it it seemed a lot better. Um, if it was that lineup, but then when you say them out wide, I just thought, what, what is going on here? So, I would I would go back to that formation because I, I was quite looking forward to seeing it against QBR and I four, think four, two uh, diamond, four yes. four two diamond, change it up um, to to go with what you're saying. You know, it's, it's a bit of a fresh a fresh canvas to sort of to change things up. So, um, I'd go with Randolph and go. Yeah. Um, I'd like another left back, but we don't have one, so I'll go friend. <laughs> Could have Nathan McGinley until we we let him go for a screen. <laughs> can't go. I can't go that um, inexperienced for a, a game away at the midday's here. Not that good. So um, centre backs. It's tough. Um, I'd go with uh, Dale Fry and I'll go with Flint. Um, right back. I'll go Shotton. Yeah. Um, so the two holding, um, I'll have. I'll see a plan. So oh, not holding. So right. the two centre mids. Two centre mids, right? Um, I'll have uh, wing, and Savile. Yeah, and then obviously I'm assuming Clayton's going to be a holding midfielder, right? Or Bezic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm uh, forgetting that. Now, yeah. So sorry, Clayton. Yeah, is the holding. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I got mixed up there. Um, uh, as sort of a cam, I'll put down in there. I think he's. I still think you know, even though he's he's lost his yard of pace over the years, and it, so I think he's never lost his technical ability. Um, he is still, you know, really good at picking out passes and sort of playing through the lines a bit. So, and I, and I think you know that's where he was playing better anyway before he came. Wasn't we never we never ever put him in that position. West Ham. We we, <laughs> we signed him and say, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll go back ten years and we'll put him back out wide. So, yeah, I'd play him there. See how he does, um, and then. Up top, um, I'll go with who we were alluding who we were going to go with before. So I'll go with the Longer and um, Hugo. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully that the partnership can work. Hugo can hold up the ball, bring Sambalonga and you know the other, uh, the midfielders into play. And yeah. yeah. Um, Dana. I've gone back to four three three only because I want to see Tav in there. So uh, Randolph and goal, obviously. Yeah. Uh, shot in Ayala Flint and Friend back four I would have uh, Fry in there actually but I've gone shot in anyway um, and Ayala as well and then Clayton wing and house in the midfield uh, and then yep. front uh, Tavern Downing on the wings and then Britt up front Downing and Britt a song ball on the off top there um, I'm thinking about maybe four two three one. You know, we haven't played that in ages, have we? I know. I feel like it's, it was a so engraved for like three, four seasons. I feel like we're probably still good at it now. Um, yeah, some of the players are still around who played it, so it's not like it's it's alien to them, is it? No, uh, I think Randolph and goal, um, shot and right back. Um, I probably go Flint Ayala, friend. Um, not Dale Fry, sorry. Um, but I think Dale Fry probably deserves to play, and probably deserves to play. Over Aidan Flint because Aidan Flint was abs- I thought he got pulled apart against Burton um, the other night, so maybe Flint or Fry um, to go in there. Um, I think Flint's probably needs a rest to be honest. Um, in the centre of the park, I'll probably go Clayton and George Savile. Then I'm going to go Tav on the right, I'm going to go down in the middle, and I'm only doing this because I feel like. Well, Pula said he's going to get another chance. I'm going to put Ashley Fletcher on the yeah, left. Yeah. 
Um, mm, and up front, I'm probably going to go with Jordan Hugel. Um, Jordan Hugel's better away from home than Britt Sambalonga. Holds the ball up really well. Um, and I think you'd probably give him a good chance to, you know, well, having the three behind him might actually give him a chance or an opportunity to score. Um, I think that's probably the team I'd take, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different options I'd like to sort of fit Tav and potentially Ashley Fletcher in there somewhere because um, I thought when Tav came on against Burt and he was um, and I was saying it that the people around me I was, he was the only player he seems to be the only player that we've got that can actually take a man on and mm. I think it's ridiculous for a, a group of professional footballers that nobody can skip past a player or take somebody on it was like Burton the Burton players were doing it for fun and Tav was the only player that could do it for us. Every other player sort of like hit a brick wall when you come in front of someone and just pat and it's like, no, no, I can't do this and I just need to pass it. Yeah. But Tav was the only one who would just run at someone and it worked. And we, I think he came on and a couple within about two minutes he, he, he'd run past someone and got a cross in. Actually, can't change my mind. But Clayton and Lewis went together. One defensively, one attacking. Can I like, do you know, be like, do you know when Clayton and Leppert are together? Where Leppert would move forward a little bit. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. going to go with that. Clayton wing. Tav down and Fletcher Hugo. Um, score predictions. Go on, Dana. Go on first. Go on. I've gone one-one. One-one for Dana. Which is actually quite positive. That's moment. really positive for you, actually, for like from it. That's what we. When was the last time I went for a win? <laughs> go on, Elsa. Um, I was going to say the same, actually. Uh, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to be even worse. I'm going to say nil-nil. I was thinking that. Yeah. I really just want to go like full Ali Brownlee and just say like Larry Elborough. Um like you know it's like I used to love it's Ali Brownlee because you always like um oh, think Mills are gonna win three 0 like well, every single time yeah. it'd be like Borough playing Real Madrid today and the <laughs> in the Champions League I think we're gonna win three 0 <laughs> All right, thanks Ali. We're playing our reserve team, but thank you. Um, I think this is where we come back a little bit. Um, I do. I think we should. I think we're gonna win um, by two goals to nil. Um, goals. From Tavernier and I'm not even going to say the second one. Aiden <laughs> Flynn Edda, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully 2 0. Um, I think it's going to be a tough game as well. Um, I think they're going to be very difficult to break down. If they do score first, so, um, we're in a lot of bother. And I think if we do lose, I think Tony Pulis will be out of the job come Boxing Day um, as well. Yeah, I think um, it also comes down to performance, doesn't it? Because like when you look at results individually, if you haven't seen any of the game, it can it can look worse than it actually is. But you know, you could you could say if if somebody didn't watch a Burton game, you could look at it and say, oh, you narrowly lost. But it, it wasn't that; it was the performance and the way we played. And I think that that's the same. Like if if we lost, um, if we if we lost to the Reading one nil. Um, the performance is awful. We don't create any chances and, and stuff like that. It, then it, you know, it, it could be curtains. But um, yeah, I think that's why I think it's going to be tough. And I think um, I think there's just going to be battles won and lost throughout the game, and it, it's just going to be a bit of a, a boring draw. Um, and there's not going to be a lot of chances really. I think there's going to be sort of just a midfield battle. It was a bit like in that QPR game. It, it was so physical that game when I was watching it. There was tackles flying in all over the place and. How was this with ball pulling shirt? It, it was That's all going I on. That's what Brexit for. Yeah, and that was that was a, that was a ninety minute Brexit game. That um, passport Brexit. Yeah, so I think it's going to be like that, but you know, um, with no prolific scoring opportunities. I'm quite surprised we haven't tried the four two three one this season. I know it's before like around it all off, but I'm quite surprised that we haven't like tried it like whatsoever. It's always been four three three or like a four four two. It's it, we were so good. Under that four two three one, the right Okaranka kept the ball. It was nice to watch at times, um, and it, it just it just worked. And like you shouldn't change if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's why I got nostalgic the other day and put that tweet on the Borough Breakdown page about that playoff team because as bad as people said that I Okaranka's football was, I love that season. I did with I Clayton and Ledbetter. Like Ledbetter, that was his peak season because. Mm. He scored the most goals that he ever has in his career. Him and Ledbetter were absolutely fantastic. And then that forward line of it was either it was like Bamford, wasn't it? Yeah. And you had like Adorma and uh, shout out to Yellowvossen. Yeah, you had Yellowvossen, Kike, Tomlin. I loved it. I loved that yeah. season. I think that was. I think Al Karanga's team like gets so much like stick for the words and how how he played. Um, but 
it was the complete opposite of how Tony Pulis played. He was possession style. It was counter-attack we needed to be. It was grit, determination. If I want Millsborough Football Club to have an identity, I want us to play like a possession style football. Yes. Um, yeah. That's the way like the game's changed now. Is if if you have the ball, the other team can't hurt you. Yeah, I think that was uh, a good point as well because I think it was a good feel around the club that season, and it's exactly what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast about the identity. And I think um, even though we we kind of lost in the, the playoff final that season, people enjoyed that season. People remember the season because of the, the style of football we played, and it was. Um, and obviously every manager comes in as a style of football but it depends on the entertainment value um, and we were getting the results and you know that's still obviously you not know, pep level of entertainment but you know it was entertaining to watch mm. at times like you said um, and the only reason sort of Tony Pulis has been um, hasn't received as much stick as he has in the past you know week or two is because the results were masking it in a sense and they yeah. haven't been matching that lately so but you know, in five years' time, if we have that possession style f- football brave, and, and yeah. all of that, then you know, yeah. But when when you're in academies, like we all we all get told that we have to play a certain style. So when you come up to the first team, it's not different here. Like all top teams do it, like Tottenham, Man City, Arsenal, Man United. They, everyone has a certain style of playing, and I don't think we have to have that at all. I think each yeah. each age group play a little bit different from the other, and whilst we can't do it a little bit differently, but. Um, before last point, Tony Pulis, he was always like one or two games, like bad games away from getting absolute stick for everyone. And I felt like that from as soon as he signed on the dotted line. Um, I think he's probably agreeing with you both nodding. Um, but that's it. Um, we're back on the twenty seventh of December, the get the day after the Chef Wednesday. Um, so have a nice Christmas, Elliot. I hope Rudy Gustav comes to your door. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, have a nice Christmas Borough fans and we hope to see you very soon take care Fleming for Craig Hignett hit it Higgy Higgy hits the track Abanelli coming alive again Janino wants the ball played to him Abanelli spots out and a 